Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hit and Hustle from IrishSportsDaily.com. I'm your host, Greg Flamong, and with me, as always, is Jamie Uyama, Mr. Jamie University. It is Wednesday, February 21st, and we're going to have to be talking about the uh, irrelevant Notre Dame football program, or maybe possibly irrelevant Notre Dame football program, according to Stephen A. Smith. Uh, we're going to talk about Notre Dame recruiting, uh, picked up some commitments over the last week uh, in Matt Augustine, offensive lineman, and wide receiver Sean Terry. Uh, so we're going to talk about those guys. We're going to talk about the wide receiver board that's coming a little bit uh, more clear. They set an official visit with Reigns Vines Bright, who is uh, currently an IMG Academy receiver. Uh, it was a very exciting prospect. So we're going to talk about him and where they're going at wide receiver. The Notre Dame schedule, uh, we are talking a little bit about that uh, before the show started on how we feel about the schedule. So we're going to touch on that and anything else that kind of comes up in the chat. So thank you everyone for tuning in. If this is your first time catching us, please hit the like button. Please hit subscribe. Please hit the notification bell. So you know, whatever it is, we are going live links to the podcast are in the description below. Um, so check us out there. If you prefer the audio format of this show. And, uh, before we get going, Jamie, we're going to thank one of our sponsors, which of course, is ESQ Clothing, which is founded by Notre Dame alum Ga Wang. You've seen ESQ on all your favorite Notre Dame players and coaches. It's uh, with over a decade of making the best custom clothing available. ESQ will help you feel, look and feel your best in 2024. From a perfect fitting suit or sport coat, shirt or bomber jacket, or that perfect tuxedo for wedding season, check out Ga's amazing work at ESQClothing.com and book an appointment to upgrade your wardrobe today. Mention ISD and get 10% off your entire purchase. Jamie, uh, Stephen A. Smith, Joe Bro says, what does Stephen A. Smith say now? Uh, it's not a big deal. There was just a whole uh, thing he did on first take this morning. I think they were talking about the uh, the five the five plus seven uh, format that was agreed to by the, the playoff committee, and he was uh, pontificating. Uh, on why Notre Dame is relevant because uh, they haven't won a national championship since 1988. Um, hashtag 1993, but that's fine. Uh, so it's been a while, obviously, since Notre Dame won a national championship. And um, why are they relevant in college football? Um, I think some people would point to the fact that he's having the conversation, kind of answers its own question, uh, yeah. why they're relevant on the number one show. And the other part is like, are you not talking about the Dallas Cowboys then? Like you spend a lot of time talking about like the Philadelphia 76ers and basketball. Like we talk about a lot of like the Knicks. You talk about the Knicks a lot. Like yeah. when was the last time they won anything? Right. Like, I, I don't know. So you talk about uh, the Lakers when they're not good. Yeah. Like it just, well, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like a whole it's like thing. here in Canada. It's, it's like uh, people talk about the Leafs cause it's yeah. whatever. And it's like, well, they have won forever, but they, it's a whole thing they draw sports. eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole thing in sports. Um, so uh, it's you know it's it's a fun time. Uh, it's he, whatever. It's his job. It's his job, and obviously, like they have the number one show uh, for a reason because of stuff like that. Um, it, you know, there's this whole like JJ Redick thing. I don't want to get too into it because a lot of people don't watch or care uh, or follow this stuff. It, it is funny how JJ Redick was talking about today about just like media in general about. How people like say they want to learn about something, but they don't, right? Yeah. Like he was talking about, he'll put a clip up of you know showing how uh, the the Pelicans are using Zion Williamson to initiate offense, and that doesn't get a lot of views. And then he talks trash on Doc Rivers, and that gets millions of views, right? Um, which is funny because we talk about that a lot, just like in our kind of venture here, and like what kind of show we want to be, things of that nature. Um, so it's just interesting that he kind of talked about how it's like people it's it, they, they want to hear gossip and they want to hear trash talk and it's like if you're not doing that it, it, it's a little bit difficult but you got to be who you are and that's what we aim to do and that's what this show is all about so uh but i thought that was interesting uh but jamie let's let's talk about the the five the five plus seven right uh your thoughts on that i, I think it, it's a it's a little bit different i think it secures notre dame's uh spot just in the playoff a, a little bit more. Uh, but did you have a comment on that? That got uh, amended a couple of days ago. Um, well, it's also hilarious that some of these people who are like supposed to cover sports for a living, like didn't know that this was something that it was about, about the rule in terms of Notre Dame, not getting an automatic uh, being eligible to get. We talked about this a year ago. 
this was it's old news it's old news it's it was the first news in fact of the about the playoff so i i would suggest to anyone who's who's who subscribes to joe pompliano's uh you know newsletter maybe unsubscribe <laughs> this guy might not be on top of things so I, I don't think I don't think he's really aware of what's going on with there, or maybe don't f- take his takes on college football seriously because uh, doesn't seem to really be on top of it. Um, I mean, I think it was obvious. There's no way they were going to do the six-six thing, yeah, because there is no power. It's the fifth one is gone. Yeah, so like, they weren't going to give it to. Um, <laughs> I you know what I we appreciate the effort wazoo and Oregon state for trying to try to be like, well, now come on guys. Like, you know, the PAC 12 is still, no. So I appreciate them. I mean, they got to do what they got to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that like, it was pretty obvious they were going to have to go five, seven. And I, I don't think it's like officially like, this is where it's going to go though, because it's not like that part is agreed upon, but then, the SEC is trying to get like X amount of qualifiers for it. And I think the big 10 is too. And I don't blame them. Like the big 10 and SEC are way better than like, why should the big 12 have other than one? Right. Why should, uh, why should the ACC have anything other than one really? Right. Because if you look at most years, you could go through like, you know, recent history, the last decade, there's very few years where they deserve to actually have two teams in it right um i mean some years they didn't get one in the top four so um i i think you know there's still like stuff that's gonna uh get decided and i think it's still aiming towards that kind of like the separate the separation of that but i don't know i i think like i mean in the end it's not good if notre dame is one of the top four teams it doesn't get a, a buy like i've already said that before like i don't think that's good but you got to look at it most of the time they aren't going to be in the top four because they haven't been for most of the time but most more there's more times they're in the top 12 than they're in the top four so and wouldn't you just rather have that home game and have that they already don't play the conference championship and anyways and this is their way of the kind of keeping independence so it's kind of a good like happy medium for now like just to mm-hmm. kind of that and um and 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 being being able to have that while still be included because it's always hilarious that when i always see like the the 12 commissioners and then it's like brackets plus notre dame ad jack swarmick or whatever right like it's always like the fact that notre dame is even to be allowed in this and and kind of has so much say in it is kind of crazy but it's obviously it's earned but it's just saying like that just shows you um like the power of Notre Dame that they could even have some say like they have I mean they're one team they have more say than the you know the dying Pac-12 or some of these other conferences that have more and I guarantee they would have more influence in the long run than like the Big 12 and and probably most of the ACC right so um so I think it's it's fine and I also just think it's temporary because it's just going to be a thing where I think what you're going to see this year is that there's going to be some good big 10 teams and some good sec teams that have like three losses that yeah. are, we, we want in, like, why are we not in compared to this two loss big 12 team? So that's going to be where it changes anyways. And it's, it's just leading towards that, um, you know, the quote unquote super league or whatever. Right. It'll expand again. You know, we, we talked about in the last show, like it, they're always going to keep expanding. They're never, it's never going to get smaller, right? Like once you go to a certain point, uh, it's only gotten bigger, right? Like it, it hasn't, uh, it hasn't gotten smaller at all at any point. So um, that's going to happen. Uh, I, I do think like, you know, and it's just like getting into the schedule, right? And look, here, here's the thing, right? For it to matter too, like with the buy and stuff, like, it is it it would be bad if they were like the number one team, like the clear number one team and they didn't get a buy. Like that would be bad. But at the same point, like that is hypothetical. Like that hasn't happened in like even in nine even in twenty twelve, like 
it, they went undefeated and that's great, right? But it was like they were number one because Kansas State blew it and then Oregon blew it, right? Like other teams just kind of lost and it's like, oh, look who's number one now. You know, like they, they were never like, why? This Notre Dame team is a juggernaut, you know, like they're, they're just unbelievable. I can't see how anyone would beat them. Like that is, that's aspirational at this point. So I think in the near future, the fact that they wouldn't get a buy, like if they're like two, three, four or whatever, it is what it is. And I kind of understand like, yeah, they don't have the conference championship game, right. And to, to, to knock them out. Right. Like they don't have that opportunity to do that. So it, it's just, like, I kind of get it there. But, hey, my thing is, like, Notre Dame ought to worry about being actually to the point where, like, I would love it. I would honestly love it if it was a situation where, oh, like, they totally deserve a bye. Like, they're the best team in college football, and they didn't get one, and that's a bummer. Right? Like, that, that, let's get in that spot, and then yeah. and then we can complain about it. Right now, it's not something that I'm going to worry about. Um, and speaking of oh, – go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say the one thing too is that I think because of like the the SEC and um, the big right, like these schedules are going to get tougher and tougher because of you know the additions that they've had. Um, you know, they're going to there's going to be a time where I think they're just going to get rid of the conference championship, like like that is going to happen anyways, and maybe that's only when they get to the super league type of thing. But or or you're going to look at teams that be like. I mean, we're still going to be in the tournament anyways, you know, the quote unquote tournament, 12 team yeah. tournament. So, yeah. I mean, is it worth it if we go to this conference championship game, even if we win, maybe we get some guys injured in this game or like, or, or people don't even care about this conference championship game because it gets you the buy, but would you rather have the buy or basically not playing in the conference championship game is, is a buy. Right. So if you would you rather have that earlier so then you can maybe rest some guys from the season that have already been beat up and then you have that extra week and then you get a home game instead of having to play like a neutral site game where you got to travel to, you know, the conference championship site and all that kind of stuff, too. So, like, in a weird way, I think it could be like beneficial um, as well. And where I mean, especially if I was in those two conferences, I think there's a real argument to say that maybe you don't want to even be in that game and you're hoping to kind of not be in that game, be good enough to make it obviously, but then yeah. not have to play in that game. Cause then you get, you know, to rest your guys before that. Yeah. Uh, Michael Mahoney says he predicted the conference championship to go away last month. Uh, Michael will monitor that. We'll monitor that going forward. Uh, Jamie's on that and Michael's on it. So you too can, uh, can carry the banner on, on that take. Um, Notre Dame schedule, Jamie. Uh, it, they came out with – they finally announced the Army game, which is going to be November 23rd uh, in New York City. It's going to be uh, at Yankee Stadium against Army, right? 100th anniversary of the Four Horsemen. Um, the blue, gray, October sky. It's not – should play the game in October, whatever. Um, it, it, it's a Shamrock Series game. I'm uh, <laughs> Uh, so what's it? So you have you have Army and Navy on the schedule in 2024. You've got two MAC teams on the schedule in 2024. Uh, it, it's people aren't buzzing, or if they are buzzing, they're buzzing about the wrong thing. Jamie, what what is your take on the schedule? Are you upset? Does it bother you? Where do you come out on this? Yeah, I mean, from a friendliness perspective in terms of them doing well and winning, I think people should be pumped about it because it easily sets up to be the best one, the easiest one that they've had since 2021 was, I mean, first of all, go back and look at the 2021 schedule. It was a trash schedule. It was not, they didn't play many good teams in 2021 and they really only had, it just was like, you know, bad luck of the draw that Cincinnati was like the best team that they've ever had and that they were coming to Notre Dame that year and, and won that game because really, and I know Notre Dame like, you know, squeaked by and, and some of these other games too, but like that 11 and two Notre Dame team was not as good as some of these other 10 win teams that they've had yeah. in other years. It just was kind of how that worked out in terms of the schedule. And I think if you look at this schedule, they don't have, so from terms of easiness and where it sets up with the buys and all that, I think 
it's a great schedule for a Notre Dame fan because you have you it got the the opener, obviously Texas AM, and these are from the SP plus preseason, you know, projections, right? So mm-hmm. uh shout out to uh our buddy Michael Bryan for he posted this on his uh, Twitter account. You should follow him. He's a good tall follow at Michael Bryan MB on Twitter. Great dude. Um great dude for analytics too to follow. But uh so First of all, Notre Dame is ranked higher than anybody they play. Texas A&M, 13th to start. Then you play Northern Illinois, 93rd. Purdue, 86th. Miami, Ohio, 53rd. Before you get to Louisville, 24th. So you have, you know, four games or, or, you know, three games that are kind of, I don't want to say easier, but I mean, definitely should be wins. You know, like there's there's no doubt about it. You, You should have wins before you play Louisville at home, and then you have a bye, and then you have Stanford 94, which Stanford I think is actually going to be a little bit tougher than that, but they're still not going to be like good, good. Georgia Tech 60, Navy 104, bye game, or bye a week again. And then finish it off, Florida State 12, Virginia uh, 81, and then Army 98, and then USC 23rd. We've already talked about how USC's got the gauntlet there, so we don't know how good they're going to be. But it's kind of yeah. like set up where it's like they don't have any of those like four straight weeks of just like, man, these are tough, like in a row. They don't really have that. They don't really have like – they don't have back-to-back super tough games, right? So um, from that perspective, you're like, okay, that's good. And, and from the perspective of like an easier thing, like you said, the two MAC teams, you're playing two service academies, you're only playing eight power five teams or power four teams or whatever. Right. Um, that's pretty good. Like that, that's a good situation. And then you, you basically swapped out Miami cause they were supposed to play Miami this year and then Miami right. switched it or whatever. Um, yeah. So Joe bro mentioned, did they drop the Miami game? Miami dropped that game. Rajon, so, yeah. Army yes. Jersey. And Rajon did. So Joe bro and, and yeah, Rajon both mentioned it. Thanks guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and that was supposed to be a home game, whatever, right? But you're swapping that out. Miami, regardless of whatever you think of Miami, that was going to be a tougher game than Army, right? So, you know, you're you're making it instead of nine and three, it's eight and four, and then you're playing, you know, another service academy. Like, those are it, – it sets up good from that perspective. But the other perspective, and it's something that we talked about right before this podcast, Greg, is that – it's not really exciting. It's not like it's not fun. Like it doesn't get fun. people all fired up. Like the service academies, like no one likes it. It doesn't no matter, it. even if they're good. Like no one wants to. It's play not them. a fun game ever. No. Yeah, and and so that's kind of the problem. Like this is always going to be, it's always going to be like worked out. You know, like okay, like twenty twenty one, right? In hindsight, it's terrible, but like you have Florida State. You have Wisconsin, who a lot of people liked in the beginning. You had Cincinnati. Uh, you were at Virginia Tech. You had North Carolina. Like, Virginia was good until Brennan Armstrong got hurt, Yeah. right? And so they were, like, a big problem. And then there was – And you still uh, have USC. And you still have USC in there, right? So, like, the I feel like we always have this conversation in March, February, um, April talking about the schedule one way or the other. It's going to be a gauntlet. It's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be this or it's going to be that. And then by the time the season comes, like who who in the preseason was like, you know what? Like the stretch between uh, like NC State and Ohio State and Duke and Louisville, like that's just going to be a crazy gauntlet where like all those games are going to be against undefeated teams and they're all going to be at night. And it's going to be terrible. And then you have the USC game. Like no one said. I I didn't. I did think that four game stretch was going to be tougher than people thought because I do. I I didn't Louisville, but no, not as tough as it seemed. Like you said, not the whole night games in all row. But I knew Duke was going to be like that was going to be a tougher game. Even before like the Clemson thing, I was like, Duke's going to be pretty good. Like they're going to. I I think that I think the one that did it was Louisville. That was the one where and obviously they lost that game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the one that Louisville was the one where I was like, hey, like they, they weren't supposed to be undefeated. Like they weren't supposed to be, you know, like that they weren't supposed to be that good. Uh, but that, like, I feel like that happens all the time. Right? Uh, and here's another one from Abe Froman. Okay. 
whatever the schedule is, you have to win four playoff games. Just beat the team you're playing on Saturday. Here, here, so that's the deal, right? There is no more like, oh, you know, like this Michigan, um, like, oh, they, they you schedule two hard games in November and you skate through and whatever. Like that can't happen anymore because now, now especially for Notre Dame, like you have to win four playoff games. Like by definition, you have to beat four top 12 teams in a row to win a national title. So like there are no flukes, especially when it comes to Notre Dame. Like there are no flukes. And so that's kind of how you look at it too, where it's like it's just going to it's just gonna come up where um, it, it's just like, yeah, maybe the, the regular season isn't that great. But here's the thing. Take care of business. Take care of business in the regular season and then get on to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like no one will care. Even if the schedule is as bad as you think it is, if Notre Dame finishes undefeated and ranked five, no one will care. It. No one will say, you know what? I know we're undefeated, but I don't like that. I don't like. I don't like. That wasn't fun for me. There's just no way. Like everyone yeah. will love that, right? And so you got to take care of business. You got to win some playoff games, okay? And and you got to take the next step as a program. It's just what you have to do. Like it just is what it is. Like the schedule is what it is. That they they're favored are going to be favored in every single game, except for A and M probably. Well, I'm I'm talking about like the the advanced stats. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like win probability, I think they're above fifty percent. They are. Yes, they are. Oh, yeah. here, I'll pull up the Michael Bryant thing again if I can. I, I want to say they're fifty six percent now. Fifty fifty three fifty six percent. Um, so fifty six percent versus A and M. Yeah. I mean, they're above eighty. They're above seventy in every other game. Um. You know the the next lowest on the list is USC on the road at seventy two point two. So or no, sorry, Florida State at sixty five point two. Excuse me, but uh, but then sixty five point two, seventy two point two for USC, and then it's like a lot of them are like above ninety. Louisville is even eighty one point three percent. I mean, you know that's why you don't play these games. You don't just beep, beep, boop, 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 put it into a thing and then spreadsheet and, and just decide uh, who's you know who's going to win the game. Uh, enjoy all the audio listeners. Enjoy my great special effects that I added into that. But uh, I don't think you know. Just they should. <laughs> they, they should. They should. Like I said, whatever I said last week in six thoughts. Like there's zero reason they shouldn't win eleven plus games next yeah. year just based on the schedule. You have to do it. They just have to, have to, have to. Um, all right, let's let's switch gears. Let's get into over to uh, recruiting. They picked up some commitments from uh, Maggie Augustine over the weekend and then uh, Sean Terry over the weekend as well um, in the 2025 recruiting class. Jamie, we're going to look at some film on those guys. And uh, I have to say, like, kudos, before we get to Sean Terry, congratulations to their uh, video staff. Uh the film, the 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 angle that they have behind the goalposts, yeah. Jamie, it's like up high. It's beautiful. I love it. It's it just there's so many guys with terrible tape. I've talked about it before. The tape is awful. It's almost field level. It's like I can't see anything. Cameras all moving around. I, I don't like watching it. I like I guarantee it helps Sean Terry get offers. A hundred percent. And you can see like his skill set in the way that he can move in and out of traffic, the way that he sees openings. Um it also doesn't. It's not. A, it's not a great look for some of the players that he's going against. Yeah, um, that's true. That's true. It, it's yeah. just some not hitting hustle, Jamie. It's it's unbecoming, right? Like, I I know it's lower level, but you know what? Low level guys can can hustle too, and work your butt off. Like I saw so many times instances where I'm like not even watching Sean Terry. I'm watching the defense. It's like, could you please pursue? Could you please get on your horse and pursue this play from the backside so you can make a tackle? Make a play. Jeez. Do, do these guys up. not get do these guys not get yelled at in uh in film? My goodness. Uh it's, it's we, they gotta clean that up. Um but it's important. The film's important, Jamie. And before we get to the film, this film chalk talk is gonna be brought to you by BSRmediacompany.com, which is founded by Notre Dame football pregame host 
an Emmy Award-winning anchor, Vahid Saad Razadeh. VSR Media provides professional and cinematic video and photo. Whether you're looking for a collegiate or pro-level highlight reel, have a personal story to tell, or are aiming to diversify and grow your business, VSR Media specializes in short and long-form video storytelling, social media management, and website design. VSR Media also captures professional headshots, senior, and sports photos. Contact them at vsrmediacompany.com and mention Sports Daily to receive 20% off project. Visit them online or give them a call at 574-800-9106. Jamie, let's start with Matty Augustine, the offensive lineman who committed to Notre Dame. Uh, what do you like about him? Who was your comp for him? And uh, where do you see him playing on the offensive line? Uh, I mean, he's definitely a, a tackle. Um, he's got great, um, great feet. Uh, mm. My comp for him was uh, University of Washington, former left tackle for them, Trey Adams. He was like mm. a multi-year starter there. He was, he was an all pack 12 guy. Um, I mean, he was another guy who came from uh, a very small town in uh, Washington, I mean, obviously, you, you love to see finish like this, right? Yeah. You love to see finish. See, it's a guy he like he works hard to sustain, and he's like a guy who wants to finish blocks. And I, I think with that kind of stuff, I always just want to see just the mentality. Like, does this guy like actually like? It's almost like, do you really enjoy this? Because not too many guys are putting people on the ground with you know if they're not. But look at that just right there in pass pro, like resetting the hands, you know, just balancing a set. And that's really the main thing where, why he's a really, really good prospect is that he's obviously long, right? Like he's got like everything that you kind of need there in terms of, um, you know, his his size and, and, and arm length and all that kind of stuff too. But you see just like his balance and, and, and what how he plays in with his set and how he's able to kind of just like anchor, stake and control people with his hands. And that's just something that really stands out with him. Um, and he can do all these things. Like he can go out and reach the edge. He can get to the second level as a run blocker. I mean, he's gained a lot of weight recently. Um, so, and, and that's good. And if you watch him like play basketball, he's still, um, he still moves really well. I, I would say he needs to get a lot stronger in his, um, in his, in his lower half. And that's where he needs to add the most weight. Cause if you look at him here, and you can see he doesn't look 290, and obviously he wasn't 290 here. Right. Um, he's got to get stronger in his lower half, and he's got to get, um, you know, just more pop. Like he's he just just more hip snap. He's got to get that kind of thing to be kind of a more effective run blocker. But I mean, when you're looking at tackles first, it's like everybody wants like like okay. So Abe Froman mentions he you know he looks like he has some nasty in him, and he does right. But, and here's a perfect example of him just kind of like finishing through the whistle. That's great. But a lot of guys have that. And it's, it, first of all, you're not going to finish guys like that in college that often, uh, unless you're, you know, Quentin Nelson. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like the ability here to like go there, pass that guy off, get perfect like that, that kind of like awareness, but also just like the feet to be able to get out and get somebody there. Uh, and, and, you know, pick up an inside blitzer and then get back out and pick up, the, pick up the, the, the rush coming off the edge. Like, that's the kind of thing that matters more because in the end, you're going to have to, you're going to be, whether or not the guy's an NFL player, whether or not the guy can play at a really, really high level, you can't start at Notre Dame. You can't play and go on to the NFL like a lot of these left tackles have for Notre Dame if you can't pass block at an extremely, extremely high level. And that's what he can do really, really well, right? So um, I think he's someone that, you know, he, he camped at Notre Dame, uh, you know, he so he earned his offer in camp. Uh, they really, really liked him in person. He is, he is like just a massive, massive frame kid and just one of these guys, like I've, you know, seen him in person. He's got like big hands, like just, he, he's a big dude and he's going to continue to get bigger. So he, there's, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to weigh like, it's it's not a thing where like where Emil Wagner where you're like man this guy really needs to get it and it's going to be a fight for him. I don't think it's going to be much of a fight for him. Like he he is going to be over a after his freshman year. It would be shocked if he was wasn't over um, 300 pounds at that time. I think that's going to be fine. And really, it's just like more of like a question of like um, he he's got a chance to to 
develop and it got a really, really high ceiling, but it's like, how quickly can he develop? How quickly can he can like get stronger in his lower half to be able to do that kind of stuff? And then they got like Will Black in the class. Strebic can obviously play. Yeah. Um, you know, ta- like, are they going to add in? So, it, you know, uh, Rajon mentions Jack Lang as a, he's another possibility to add in the class and he's another guy who can play tackle. So um, it's going to be, you know, they just have Gerby Lambert and uh, his Styles Prescott in the, in the class before. Right. So um, they are doing really well with offensive tackles. And I think they needed it because it was like, weirdly, they did, didn't have the kind of options they had, or they recruited a bunch of guys, which is, something that kind of would happen with Harry with a lot where he'd dig a lot of swing guys that were probably better guards than tackles. Mm. And now I think they're getting more guys that are like, you know, fits at tackles, but I, I'm always like, get a guys who can play tackle, get those Patterson's, get those Hainsies, get, you know, get all these guys who can play, but they can play multiple spots too. Um, Cause like street big, I think could play inside as well. And I mean, we'll see with these other guys, but um you just want as many guys that you think you can play left tackle as possible. And, and Augustine is one of those guys. Uh, watching this film, I was, it kind of struck me like, man, it must be awesome to be a quarterback in high school and your left tackles going to Notre Dame. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, like you, you never know who you could get, right. Like you, it, it, in the high school level, like what kind of caliber of offensive lineman do I have? Oh, he's going to go to Notre Dame. Like, that's good. Um, so looking at some of the rankings that someone was asking me over the weekend, like, when he committed, like he's a three-star guy composite. Uh, Will Black's a three-star guy composite. Owen Strebig is a four-star, but he's kind of on the lower end of the four stars. Um, and I know you've been very critical of like the 247 rankings. Um, I think oh, especially, yeah, with, especially with respect to the offensive linemen. So j- give us kind of like a um, – like what? Let, let, me, let me put it like this. What are your ratings on on these guys? So just like – the that's like a war, like let's do Augustine first and then do uh black and then straight bit. Um so Augustine, I gave him a grade of 91. So he's like a low four star, but it's like the same as kind of like where like a Styles Prescott was at that same okay. time last year. He moved up to like a 93 for me after senior year. Um but I I think one of the things with um with with him is um you know, you're looking at kind of like size wise of what he looked like in the fall compared to where he is now. Mm-hmm. And also, um, well, I mean, this kind of leads into the other guys too, because Will Black is another guy who's from like the Northeast. He's originally from Canada and, and he plays, you know, high school football in, in the Northeast. Um, and also like Strebig is, is from Wisconsin, which is obviously they produce a lot of linemen and he's like a top, I think he's like top, he's a top 150 guy. So he's not like lower rated or anything like that. Mm. Um, but, and, and if anything, but I actually have Will Black, the highest out of them all is the 93. And then I, you know, Augustine is 91 and Street Big 92. But I think like, I'd say Augustine has a higher ceiling than mm. Street Big, in my opinion. Um, and I mean, both Augustine and Black have super, super high ceilings. And like, one of the things, and it's something that I was like, uh, just, I, I was DMing with, um, you know, uh, you know, guy, I know you're familiar with him, Greg. So Bud Davis, he does a lot of like, uh, you know, analytic stuff yeah. and he yeah, does yeah. a lot of stuff in terms of like recruiting and like looking at like, uh, trends and recruiting and all that kind of stuff too. And one of the things, if you look at like, say like the NFL draft for, for this year, right. There's like, I think there's. I can't remember the exact number. I, I, mean, I, sh- I should should know off the top of my head, but I don't. It's like I had it written down in in, in six thoughts from a few weeks ago. But they were like, you know, there's like a first round mock out, and I think it was Dane Brugler's, and it was like, I, I want to say like nine or the first two round mocks or whatever it was. And there was like nine guys who were like offensive and defensive linemen that were there that were uh, not blue chips, hmm. right? And a big reason behind it was because these guys are not from areas where they don't have the camps as much. So they don't have these. So if you're not in the Southeast where there's like, or, or Texas where they have so many camps and so many opportunities, they have way more like analysts who work for these companies two two four seven on three, whatever, right? Like rivals. 
there's more people that cover that rather than like Midwest or North, definitely yeah. Northeast. There's not like a lot of like Northeast guys, like who other than a Brian Doan or whatever, or I think it's Doan. Sorry if I mispronounce it, but who other than him, who's like the Northeast guy. And he's like, got to cover like New Jersey and he's doing all these different areas. So if he doesn't see this guy in person, who's seeing Will Black in person. Right. And so that's like one of those things where it's like, they're wrong on a lot of these guys. Just like they're wrong on a ton of Polynesian kids who like come from like American Samoa or California or Hawaii or whatever, because they don't just get to see them that much. And also too, like they have the most physical development to do the most like intelligence is like a big part of like whatever. And it's not to say all these guys are going to hit or whatever. And that like, Oh, I, I know more than that. I'm just like, I, I do. I just do it. I just look at traits and I look at like yeah. what they have and what, how they move, you know, how big they are, all that kind of stuff, how, what they, what the frames are like and what, and the information that I get. And some of obviously we're able to get some more access to some of these guys, specifically if they're Notre Dame kids in terms of like some of like their measurements and all that kind of stuff too, mm-hmm. where maybe, you know, cause especially those guys who camped at Notre Dame. Right. So we, you know, and you get to see them in person and all that too. So that's like a, a, a big thing. And I, and I know like, Christian has seen Matty Augustine like play basketball. Like he's seen him in, in, in person play basketball. And he's seen a lot of different guys play basketball over the years. And like I definitely like used some of what like Christian told me about like what he saw from him playing basketball and not just how he physically moved, but just how he competed on in my evaluation of it. Right. So there's just a lot of guys that kind of like can slip through the cracks there. And I mean, whatever it's not not like to say that all guys are going to be like you know they're missing out on all these elite guys because there's not a ton of elite guys that out there but you know chances are if like Notre Dame is after these guys in in the other schools that are after them like you know like black was like it was a Notre Dame Michigan battle whatever yeah. right it's like well I think both of these schools know how to evaluate uh offensive line you know quite a bit better than than most schools um so if they're really, and if he's really that kind of like high priority on their list, you know, maybe take a look back at your rankings and, and, and see where you're at. Because I, I think that's definitely, um, you know, a thing where they like get a lot wrong there. And that's something that like Bud Davis was telling me, like, he's like, yeah, the, one of the things with it is like, where they miss the most in NFL draft is because there's not enough coverage. There's not enough people who see these people who evaluate so it's not just about like the competition that they play it's just they don't have the they don't hire people to work out there and fair enough they don't have as many recruits out in that yeah. area so why would they but it's just because of that that's how they miss on a lot of those. yeah like it's just a practical problem sometimes like you just yeah. can't get eyes and it's like just because you're not watching them doesn't mean they're not there right like so yeah it, it's it's th- that's what's kind of hard and, and so you know the conversation that i was having is like why can't they get like these these blue chip offensive linemen like these really top rated guys? And I was like, I think they consider them that. Like I, I think that Notre Dame thinks that they are that, right? It's not like a settling thing, right? And then I hear you talk about them, and it's like that kind of matches, right? So, like, it, it, and it, it kind of goes back to the conversation we had like one of the hot takes days when it was like, I said recruiting rankings are a sham, right? And and it's not that that's a very like hyperbolic way to say it, but like, it's kind of for this reason, like what, what can they do? how do they move? What are their traits? Like you say, and then you project that forward. Right. And so the ranking is kind of just a product. It could be a product of a lot of things, right. Is like people not seeing them or people not getting out there or the competition, or they had a bad day at a camp or whatever. It's just like, there's, there's so much, uh, so much more data points that you can hit. Yeah. There's so much context that needs to be added to it. That is, you know, um, and like I said, like no one gets them all right. I'm certainly not like anywhere close to like anywhere close to batting a thousand uh, with it. And I mean, I get my fair share wrong too. Right. But um, I definitely think that like specifically with line play too, I think there's a lot of guys who maybe don't understand line play as much and kind of like, um, like it's it's just so easy to be someone to be at a seven on seven camp and be like, oh well, this guy's the best guy out here. He's catching all the touchdowns. Like, look at him, just like run and jump over top of these people and do all this. It's like, yeah, like it's 
and it just like anyone can go watch a basketball game and see like this guy's scoring the most points. He's, he's, he's the best athlete out here and he's just whatever. It's like, well, that's, it's different than scouting mm-hmm. a guy who's like, you're doing something that's like people aren't watching the line as much, or you don't understand like all these things that are like some things that are teachable and some things that aren't, or things that if someone has this and you don't have to teach that guy that because he already has this, that's how the value of it. Right. So um, yeah, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, but I mean, I would also just look at like, look at the recent history of Notre Dame and all these guys um, who were not elite. Like Zach Martin was, was a few's a four star, but he wasn't like mm. elite, like considered the best guy anywhere close. He's a hall of famer, right? Like Ronnie Stanley was not a five star. Right. And he went to Bishop Corbin, which was like, you know, obviously like a very high profile school, but he wasn't right. considered there. Like, and you know, Mike McGlinchey was like a low four star, right? Like there's all these other things that go into it. And those are just like those other guys, like Quentin Nelson was considered, you know, a very high, you know, highly recruited guy, but yeah. So I, I, I don't know, but just, there's just all these different things that go into it. Um, that kind of make it like it's not to say that Notre Dame shouldn't be like there was that one year that when when Notre Dame landed Hainsey and Banks right and obviously both those guys ended up being really good but they didn't land there was that was a really good year on the offense line but they didn't land uh some of the other guys that they wanted like Trey Smith and Jedrick Wills would that have been great if they land them yeah those guys were both awesome and they're both like starting in the NFL you know but they still did pretty good with 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 how they did, and those guys were, you know, Banks and and um, Hainsey were both four stars, but they weren't like, you know, five, you know, considered five star guys or whatever, and they played better than some of the five star guys. Yeah. All right, uh, Sean Terry, uh, wide receiver out of Ohio, he he commits to Notre Dame. You know, Jamie, he's got, uh, we were talking about before. He's got some of the most electric film you've ever seen. Uh, my only question is like the size, like what is the size and then the speed and how does like this kind of skill set translate to a, um, a situation where you're playing guys who you can't just crisscross the field like this, you know, like you can't just go in and out. Right. And like, that's sometimes like that trait, just it, it manifests itself no matter who you're playing against. And sometimes it does not, um, give people a little bit of an idea. It's like, there's only one Barry Sanders. You know, right? Like there's, yeah, that's the thing. But I mean, look at this, like you said, the film, like just those just like quick cuts, the quick, like just be able to just like plant your foot and go like this kind of stuff. He is an electric returner, like just an electric returner. Like he's, and, and, you know, breaks tackles. I mean, not that those are great effort by those guys, but still like he's there fighting for it. And you just kind of love to see that. Um, and, you know, so he ran one of the big things and one of the reasons why Notre Dame took him is he ran like a four or five recently. Right. Yeah. So he like that's one of those things which doesn't make him like a straight out burner. Like he is not in the uh, Rondale Moore, uh, Jalen Waddle, like, you know, Tyree Kill, like that kind of slot speed. Like there's a different thing there but he's plenty fast enough and you can just see it on film. Like this guy runs away from people. I know it's not the greatest comp, but it's just like, you could just see it. He's fast. He's fast. He's fast enough, you know? And, um, but yeah, the question for me is, is size. Uh, okay. So you can do this now and you can do it when you got space and that's great. And I think he could be like a great yak guy, like, you know, yards yeah. after catch, but Okay, well, you gotta now you gotta get open against like elite nickels. Well, you gotta be like you can't just be fast and you can't it just have change of direction. You just like you gotta develop as uh, a receiver. And obviously with his size, because you know what is he listed at like five ten one seventy? He's, he's listed five ten, yeah, yeah. Which means he's probably a bit shorter than that. Which to be honest, that's usually how it goes, and and that's fine. But it also means like he's not going to play anywhere other than a slot, probably. So, 
Um, is he going to just be a gadget guy? Is he going to be uh, a, just a returner? Uh, and I think he could be, he could just be a returner and be an elite returner because it's just like one of those things where you're like, well, people could say like CJ Sanders, ah, maybe he didn't live up to kind of the hype and he never became that slot receiver that people kind of thought he was. Well, just the fact that he was a great returner was more than enough, you know, like that, that means he was like a great take. He was like a great player for Notre Dame because of the value that he added as a returner. So if he could just be CJ Sanders, that would be awesome. You know? So um, from that perspective, I just like the tape because I, I, I like the take in from that perspective, because I think he really could be that and maybe more. Right. So um, I, I think it's uh, a good pickup, um, but obviously you want to see more guys who you think could be like wide receiver one types. And I mean, yeah. I don't envision that for him. So, yeah. So you just don't see like the, moving in and out of traffic like this very often, right? It's like from an Notre Dame wide receiver specifically, just in terms of who they've looked at, like that, that, that is special. Just and look, just because um, the pursuit isn't very good or whatever, like you do have to do it, right? Like you do have to, you have to see the lanes, you have to see the cuts, you have to make the moves, and you do have to slip the tackles, right? Like so, it, it, you can't just say, "Well, they're bad." Well, it's like, well, not everyone at his school is doing that, right? So there's there's that. Um, it, it, to your point, though, like I, I feel like. Like Burris and uh, Terry are both like Logan Saldate, third wide receiver guys, like the third wide receiver in the class. But that Notre Dame doesn't have like a uh, a Cam Williams or Mike Gilbert, uh, who are who they're kind of complimenting, right? Now, is it to say they're bad takes? I don't. That's not what I'm saying at all, right? We're we're both excited about Logan Saldate, right, and what he can do at Notre Dame or what he possibly could do at Notre Dame. And so I'm excited about these two as well. But to your point, like they do need um, just kind of a guy. And like when we say like – and especially with Mike Dembrock being here, when we say like the number one guy, we're now I'm, I'm kind of off talking about that needs to be the boundary, right? Well, it doesn't look, have to be, yeah. Right, like because you look at um, – <laughs> You look at LSU, especially this year. Like, there's so many stuff. Like, we follow a bunch of draft accounts and whatnot. They're showing Malik Neighbors. Like, he's doing so much in the slot, right? Like, he slot to the field, right? Like, not even slot to the boundary. Like, slot to the field. Brian Thomas also to the field. Like, these guys are they're doing so much more. It doesn't have to be a boundary guy. So there's it's not like it has to be the Derek Meadows body type or anything like that. But it does have to be a guy like Will Fuller is a perfect example, like not number one wide receiver body, but he was the number one wide receiver at Notre Dame because he's just a playmaker. He's just very explosive. Uh, and so they've got someone coming on campus who I think fits that. Right. And, and I think and I'm, I'm wondering your take on this. Uh, I'm talking about Raiden Vines Bright. Uh, I know Matt's in the chat. Right. I know he's watching. He's very excited. This is Matt's guy. Um, and honestly, Jamie. <laughs> I think I have to – if we were doing – like last show we did the uh, like must-get guys, I think I think Vines Bright is close. In fact, he he, he might be a must-get in this class given who they've gotten already. Like I wouldn't have got – I wouldn't have said Sean Terry and I wouldn't have said uh, Elijah Burris, right? But I think Vines Bright is that, especially if he's going to be like six foot, six foot one. He doesn't look that tall to me. Now that's the question that I have. Is he like is he that or is he like 5'10, 5'11? Right. Uh, because I, I think that's important. But this guy is explosive, right? He can separate. Uh, he's got really good long speed. He's got a 10800 time as a as a sophomore in high school. Interested to see what that's gonna be in this spring if he elects to run track. Um, he, but he did go over to IMG, right? So it's like that's very I'm focused on football type thing. He was a um Oh, where did he come from? Uh, Arizona. Arizona. He, yeah. he came in from Arizona. So now he's, he's, he's over at IMG and uh, doesn't have like a ton of offers right now. I think that's probably going to change. Uh, Cause I think he's a real good player, uh, Jamie. And we were talking before rains, vines, bright elite name, right? You could get an elite name 
wide receiver, like skill position class with Dallas Golden. Um, but what do you like about Vines Bright as we watch some of his highlights? I mean, he can really run, right? Like that's the thing yeah. is he can fly. Um, I mean, I think that it's, you know, it's, I think on his, his, uh, let me see him just run away from people here, but I think you, you see on his like Twitter account, he's like, you know, four, four, he doesn't look four, four to me. Um, I don't think he's that, uh, you know, this guy's also like a sluggo demon, just destroying people on this, the slant and go, um, you know, that's something that, you know, that's very willful or esque, right? Like that's something I think is, I mean, that's also Denbrock-esque, right? Where you're just like, that's definitely like something he can do where he just has that like first little bit acceleration where he could separate. And I think that's the main thing. Um, I think he's, he is like, he's a big time speed guy. And I just think they're missing that from the, from, like I said, Terry is really, uh, you know, sensational in terms of just like, that open space guy that he can do that, but he's not going to straight, um, you know, just destroy people uh, just running by them or like, I didn't see any of that. Like, you know, just in terms of him, like running a slot fade right by somebody or whatever, mm-hmm. where Vines Bright, you can see that from him. And, and first of all, Vines Bright is like really underrated nationally. Like, he, I mean, he's going to, like you said, he's going to be someone uh, right now. Like, I think he's a four star for sure. And like, he's, you know, not, I think in the composite right now, but he's going to be. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. Um, yeah. I just think he's the kind of deep threat that they need in the class. You know, I wouldn't, I think in, in terms of when you're looking at what they have, um, I think he, yeah, he is an important guy in the class and kind of like who they're after, because um, I do think it's like, if you're trying to get like, you know, fit and check all the boxes, you know, you want to get like a guy like this, uh, great catch there, by the way, but yeah. um, you, you want to get a guy like this on top of like getting a Derek Meadows who could be that big, obviously he's a speed guy too, but he's that big speed guy or like a Quincy Porter or whatever, who's who is that big boundary type, right? Like um, it, that that's how I see it. Yeah. It, it, so you just, I, I just think like of all these guys, like if I look at, like I don't know, like Tylen Taylor, like are they in on him? Like I don't know how. Like I haven't heard his name very often. They set up an official visit for uh, for Vines Bright, uh, which is I think in March. I think it's in late March there. Um, so he's going to be on campus. So they set up an official, right? That's a pretty big deal. Um, so they set up an official for him. Uh, I think Meadows is there as well. But like of all the guys, where it's like, who's going to be a star, right? I think Vines Bright is probably most likely in that category. Like I, if and one way I, I look at these guys in terms of like prospects or whatever is, I think like okay, if you're telling me it didn't work out, why didn't it work out? You know, and I feel like for Sean Terry, it's like not that big, right? And the the slipperiness and all that didn't translate to major college football. Um, Elijah Burris, I would say. You know, the 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 skill set in getting open in high school wasn't didn't translate to major college football. Just couldn't separate, right? And didn't have the long speed to kind of separate in that way too. If it if it didn't work, I'm not saying it won't. I'm just saying like it's kind of easy to identify. Vines Bright is a little bit difficult, right? It'd have to be something more intangible. Like it just you got like there were injuries or he didn't uh, he didn't like Notre Dame. So he just like it, it'd have to be something kind of off the football field because like as a football player, you feel like man like this skill set is kind of translatable, um, all all over the place. Uh, Matt's in the chat. Our uh, Rains Vines Bright will be on campus March twenty third and then mid June for the official visit. So he actually has two visits set up. So um, that's that's a, that's a big deal, right? So that's something to monitor and something to track. Um, another thing to monitor is uh on this on on the on the message board today christian noted that devin williams set up a return trip to notre dame we have him as a must get in the notre dame football class i think a lot of people were down on the fact that he didn't show up for the junior day um which was rather related right and people get kind of skittish about like well is it really that no it was really that and he did set up a return visit so that's going to happen in april so he's coming to notre dame 
then he does have serious interest in Notre Dame. Uh, Mike Mickens doing a great job with him and trying to get him uh, back on campus in fold, committed. Uh, we're going to have to monitor that, um, and we're monitoring the, the you know the Dallas Golden Mark Zachary situations as well. Notre Dame feels really good about that. So again, right? You feel good about about those guys getting Vines Bright on campus. A lot of people asking about Bettis. To me, I think of it a lot like Erlocker from last year in that you can take him, take him if you want to take him. Like to me, the numbers are like kind of irrelevant, right? If you want to take him, take him. But like you can't turn away someone like – yeah, like if Vines – let's say Vines Bright committed, right? And – and it's like, okay, so now you have three. You can't be like, well, we're taking Bettis and that's it. Like, no, no, no. You got like you still have to go try to get Derek Meadows, you know? You still have to go try to get uh someone else who you think is gonna fit a need for you, right? And so that's how I felt about our locker. It's like you wanna count, you wanna take them, then take them. Like there's there's stuff that you can do and that he can do. There's stuff that Jerome Bettis can do, like he can help the Notre Dame football team, but you, you can't like count them against a position. You can count them against overall numbers if you want, but you can't count them against the position, right? In my opinion, that that's how I see it. What, what, what is your take on that? Yeah, that's what I would say too, right? And which is kind of goes with, we think that, you know, with Bettis, who we think is going to commit, you know, sometime in the future, yeah. right? That uh, they'll take two more, right? So they'll take five in the class. And I think if they were taking four and you looked at with, those guys, I think you view it differently, right? Then if you were to send it and Bettis was one to four, you'd probably look at it uh, from a different perspective, just like if they took two safeties last year and, you know, it was instead of taking three, right? So that's kind of um, the way that, that I view it. Yeah. Uh, Michael's asking, uh, do you consider Meadows more of a de developmental wide receiver? If so, aren't Terry Burris and Bettis that as well? And then he goes on to say, that's why I feel the remaining takes at wide receiver need to be elite dudes. Um, what I, I would say Vines Bright has an elite trait, which is his speed and his ability to separate. Um, I, Mike was talking about this on Power Hour the, on uh, Monday. And it's like, when we say like they have to be elite dudes, it's like, sure, but the elite dudes have to be available to you. You know, like you got to sign the best guys you can get. And if, if the, the elite guys like the Jamie French, like someone brought, if he's not interested in Notre Dame, you, you, you can't sign him, right? Like you do need to sign a wide receiver class. You do yeah. need to find the best guy. You can't be like, well, we're not taking anybody because we can't get Jamie French. Yeah. Right. Like, um, so, and it's not like, it, it sounds simplistic, but, it isn't like you do. You do need to bring in numbers, and you do need to bring in guys with the traits you feel like can can help you win football games. Uh, so go ahead, Jim. I was going to say like Meadows. I would view just like you would view um, Chase Claypool, where you're viewing Same. someone yeah. and you're like, yeah, this guy is just, yeah, he's there's going to be stuff that he needs to develop, but he's got freakish traits that this guy could be develop into he could develop into an elite dude where i would say these other guys i think with um terry i mean terry and burris for sure i think those guys like you say like terry could be elite returner could be elite after the catch those are his things that you that that he could be right and with burris i think he could be an elite route runner like that's where he separates right and with meadows it's like he could just be elite at everything but yeah. he, that's why the it's there. And so, I mean, yeah. Would you rather have Jamie French than Derek Meadows? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I mean, I'd, I'd trade that for sure, but you'd still take Derek Meadows because Derek Meadows has a chance to be, you know, Chase Glable, right? Like at, at Notre Dame, right? So, uh, or better maybe, right? So who knows? So just like, that's why, um, I mean, and whatever, not to step on something that I'm writing for six thoughts, but the like, you look at like the top guys in the NFL draft this year, and it's not five stars, you know, it's not those guys like, um, you know, sure. There's definitely guys who become that where it's like, you know, 
Michael Floyd became Michael Floyd. Like he became, he lived up yeah. to all the hype. There's AJ Green and 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 um, you know Julio Jones. They were like designated dudes from day one, and then they like lived up to that and more. Right? Like those guys were great in all the, all the way through. Uh, but like, there's like a bunch of guys where R- Roma Adunze, two twenty one in the composite, right? Like Keon Coleman, three seventy seven. Adonai Mitchell was like late three hundreds. Brendan Rice, three thirty six. Roman Wilson, three fifty four. Malik Neighbors, two fifty one. Malik Neighbors, two fifty one. Even Marvin Harrison Jr., who's like. I mean, he was highly ranked. He was a top 100 kid, but he wasn't like he should. He's considered the best receiver prospect by some since Calvin Johnson. So he wasn't a five star like and I liked him a lot, but I didn't. I had him like just outside of the top 50. Like Brian Thomas, I did have him in the top 50, but he was a top 100 guy for everybody else. He was it wasn't a top 50. Like why is Brian Thomas? He ended up better than a lot of these guys. Right. There's there's just. There's just so much more that goes into it than just being whatever. And it's also too, like, I think there's, that's a problem because the seven on culture of like, this guy's so good at this right now. It's like, well, it takes more than that when you actually are playing like real corners in, in, you know, in at the next level, or you, you go in against zone and you got to like know where to go. You have to have intelligence and you have to have savvy and you have to have all these other physicality and these things like, you know, winning just like, like showing late hands so you can get so they can't finish like all of these little pieces that make you great at receiver in addition to like being a guy who can run four four or whatever right it's like jamar chase yes he was considered a great prospect but he wasn't like i mean he wasn't like top five in the class when he came out right like it's not always like that right where it's just it's there's a lot of development that goes in it there's a lot of projection and um, and like a lot of those guys, I mean, obviously went to big time schools, but you know, I don't think Marvin Harrison was the top guy in his class, you know, when yeah. he went like, cause he was in the same class as Ibuka and Ibuka, don't get me wrong. He's a stud too, but he's not as good as Marvin Harrison jr. So it's just one of these things. It's just, it's, and I'm not, and I'm not saying, man, Mike, Mike Brown's going to develop all these guys and whatever. It just doesn't work that way. But you have to guys who have you have to get guys who have the traits that are elite, like like we talked about. But um, just because a guy is not ranked because he's ranked two fifty or he's ranked three hundred, whatever, does not mean he can't be an elite guy. Yeah, and the other part too is we have to we and this isn't just wide receivers; it's every position. Like it does come to a point where we do have to show some humility in that we don't know how they how they evaluate and view all these wide receivers. I don't know how they think about it. I don't know how they feel about Tylon Taylor or Vines Bright or, or Porter. I don't know how they feel about them. Right. So they're not here. Like, so, so Michael's saying and like, Michael, these are fair questions, right? These are absolutely fair. Uh, Ooh, this is for, yeah. and it's a good discussion. <clears throat> and it's totally fine. So don't feel like um, we, we don't like that, but what I'm I'm saying is like there are, there does come a point where it's like our opinion is our opinion on these guys, but we don't have all the information that they have or how they feel and how they've talked about it, right? I don't know these players. I, I haven't I haven't spoken to them. Uh, how how they feel like they fit in the offense, right? How Mike Denbrock thinks they fit fit in the offense, right? Like all these things, like he is now a part of this, right? So it's just it, it, you know, and in terms of Bettis too, like. I don't want it to be a thing where, like, if they take – like, he, he has he's a take for Notre Dame. He just is. So, I think I think the thing that that we have to – like, I don't consider it the fact that if Notre Dame takes four plus Bettis, he didn't take anyone's spot. Yeah. He just – he did not, right? And I don't think he would. So, uh, and so that's how I feel about it, right? And so it doesn't really concern me. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how it is going forward, but it's something to monitor, right? We're going to be monitoring this all throughout the spring, all throughout the off season. It's about what they're doing at wide receiver. Um, and, and there's plenty more developments to come. So, um, uh, Rajon, who did you mention a few minutes ago as a must get, uh, I was vines bright. 
I, I think I think he might be in that category because I don't see really anyone who is like super interested in Notre Dame who can who can separate the way that he can. That's how I feel about it. So and you got to get that skill set in your building because uh, speed is everything. Speed truly is everything. All right, we're gonna end it there. Thank you everyone for tuning in. If this is your first time catching us, please subscribe to the show. Please hit the like button on this show and please hit the notification bell so whatever it is. We are going live. Uh, we'll probably be back. Uh, I might, well, we might do a show on Friday. Jamie's Jamie's got some stuff going on this week, so uh, he's he's not going to be available too. Might do a show on Friday. We'll see. I, I got some things in the works, uh, but if not, we'll be back next week at our normal time. So uh, thank you everyone for tuning in again. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your day. Keep hitting and hustling.